Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is The Other Side of Midnight, a program very proud to come to you on the radio. Uh, I really consider myself pretty lucky to be a radio broadcaster for many reasons. Not only is this my preferred medium for entertainment and for education, but it's also a medium that is listened to throughout prison. And I'm very proud of the listenership that this station and this show has built up within prison. I'll give you one. uh, This is an email I got yesterday afternoon. I hope she doesn't mind me uh, mentioning her name. But this is from a listener named Andrea Alessandrini. And she writes, Hello, Frank. I'm not sure if my message arrived to you via the CoreLink system, but I know you've accepted my request. My name is Andrea Alessandrini. I am an an inmate at MDC Brooklyn Federal Facility. The system doesn't notify you of when a message is received. That's why I wasn't sure if you got it or not. We listen to your show every night here, and we really appreciate it. Yes, we do listen to Curtis as well. Well, there's no accounting for taste. I mean, these people are in prison. They don't have that many entertainment options. But in all seriousness, I am very, very pleased that we have developed such a fanatical following of listeners in prison, state prison, uh, federal prison, and, yes, in city jails as well. Uh, Because we're a show that tries to deal with issues related to not only the criminal justice system, but the prison system in a serious way, in an intellectually honest way, but at times also in a fun way. And that's why one of my favorite uh, media outlets for a long time since they first started has been The Marshall Project, and I love what they're doing. And I'm very, very pleased uh, to be joined this morning by Lawrence Bartley. He's the founder and director of News Inside, which is the print publication of The Marshall Project, He's also the host and executive producer of Inside Story, which is a new video series which delivers trustworthy reporting and journalism to incarcerated people and, yes, the broader public indeed. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Uh, Thanks for having me, Frank. So, Lawrence, we do have a lot of listeners listening to us who are incarcerated right now, but we have many more listening who are not incarcerated why should the people listening to us right now who are not in prison, not in jail, don't have any friends, don't have any family members who are in prison, why should they give a hoot? Why should any of them care about folks in prison, what goes on in prison? How does that affect them? A lot of them have the attitude, Lawrence, these are people that uh, committed a crime, in some cases did something horrible. Why should we care what they're getting in terms of journalism? Speak to those people, the incarcerated folks. Well, quite simply, simply because 95% of people who are incarcerated will be released one day. They will be on a line next to some of the folks that listen to this show in Walmart, Walgreens, or any department store. And 
for individuals who are on the inside, sure, many of them committed crimes, some of them have not. But in, in either case, there are many of those folks who did a 180 from their criminal ways, and they want to change. They want to live normal lives like you and me on the outside. And in order for them to do that, the best way is for them to be fed positive and worthwhile information. If they're not, if they're fed angst every day, day in and day out, on top of the fact that they can't get up and go out when they want, they can't call their family members when they want, and they're also, in some cases, uh, deservedly so, you know, suffering because of what they did, thinking about what they did. But if that person isn't fed positive information, then how do we expect that person to come out as a positive individual living within the boundaries of the law? Right. It's it's a great point. So so almost everybody that's in prison now will one day be out of prison. And these are folks that can either be productive members of society and interact in a meaningful way with everybody else, or uh, they could be, you know, uh, folks that end up back in prison. And that hurts everybody, hurts the taxpayer, and it hurts somebody that they might be committing a crime against. Right, Lawrence? Exactly. Everyone suffers. There's there's no winners there. Uh, when, when people are sentenced to do their crimes, you know, they figure that they're adjudicated by a judge. They did their time. Once they did the time, hopefully it's over. As long as they, like I said before, live within the boundaries of the law to continuously punish them, I don't see how that serves anyone. Now, I want to get into what you're doing now because I think it's really interesting. But just so folks understand your perspective and where you're coming from, give our listeners an idea, Lawrence, of what your own uh, criminal history is and what your own history with the prison system has been. Well, unfortunately, at the age of 17, I was incarcerated myself. I I made a choice that led me to prison. Um, I essentially grew up in prison. I was in a male prison when I was 17 years old. I learned how to shave. I learned how to become a man at the same time where I had to deal with what was right in front of me, which was the unknown and all the horrific details or imaginations that one hears about the prison system. I had to deal with that close and personally for the beginning of my incarceration, which was maybe about, I count the beginning as maybe six or seven years because I ended up doing 27 years. And um, throughout that time, I went from a a GD to a master's degree. I won't say it was easy. It was very hard studying in prison. In fact, it was very hard learning to live in prison not only because of what you hear in the news about the violence, but uh, because uh, it's a it's an environment where a person can't, you know, um, grow into his or herself. You can't um, use whatever acumen or whatever intellect you have in order to grow a business because that can extend your prison stay. You can't um, be in contact with your children or your family members because it costs too much money for them to 
receive your phone call because they have to pay pay for it. But I could go on and on. But because of that, and and in terms of information, knowing that it was very difficult for me to get information, especially when I was taking my college courses, because I was had to had to um, rely on outdated textbooks or a newspaper that a correctional officer threw in the trash in order to read it, to use it for sources for my research papers that I was doing in my college courses. Um, because officers couldn't hand us newspapers because that meant that they were promoting prison contraband because they're not supposed to give us anything. And I couldn't afford a pricey newspaper subscription because it costs a lot. To subscribe to the New York Times and U.S. Today costs a lot when I was making as low as 10 cents per hour in my prison job. So knowing all of that, I knew the value of information. I knew the struggles and the frustration of a hungry mind behind bars. And I started and created News Inside in order to feed those those hungry minds and without hassle and without frustration. We're talking with Lawrence Bartley. Uh, He writes for, he's the creator of News Inside and Inside Story. You can access both of those by going to the Marshall Project dot org that's the marshallproject.org we're going to talk with Lawrence in a second about uh, some of the stories that he's been covering now Lawrence we began the conversation by saying that it's important for people who are behind bars to get to be treated adequately to get things like uh, proper news sources and proper education because they're going to be out of prison one day now you as a young man at 17 you said you went to prison for for murder uh, there's a lot of other people that go to prison for murder and never get out of prison. They spend the rest of their lives in prison. You spent 27 years there. You could easily could have ended up spending the rest of your life in prison. Why is it still uh-huh. important for taxpayers to invest in the education of people that are never going to get out in prison. Let's say somebody is a convicted murderer and they end up serving uh, a multiple life sentence. Why should we care about those people's education and what news sources those folks are getting? Because uh, many people who live in society, even family members of people who live in society, are correctional officers. And they go to work every day and they want to come home safe to their families. And they deserve that. And if we don't allow people who are living on the inside to have some semblance of of normalcy, some type of life, even if that means that they're never going to get out, then what type of person would we be building that's, that's in an environment where our loved ones have to go every day and come home? Um, Just because a person is incarcerated doesn't mean he or she or they have to be at odds with a correctional officer. I know many correctional officers that are good individuals that just want to do their eight hours and go home. And there are many incarcerated people who who have maybe triple life and they just, hey, they just want to live. They want to live sanely. They don't want to be in solitary confinement. They want to be able to read books or or watch a movie. They want to get out someday. And 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 I hope that people on the outside would would understand that. And another thing I want to bring out is during the the pandemic, which we are in now, um, many people know that it's very tough 
to social distance in prison. Structurally, prisons and jails aren't built for people to be social distanced from one another. So when it when it comes time to disseminate vaccines, many people in prisons and jails didn't trust prison administrators. Now that's the uh, uh, no, sorry, didn't trust the medical staff inside of prison, and that's for various reasons. Um, throughout the years, incarcerated people have been experimented on inside of prisons and jails. Just as recent as 2010. Um, in one of the stories we wrote, there was 150 women who were incarcerated became sterilized. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um, the justice system um, created laws in order to prevent incarcerated people from being tested. So I, I don't want to give the impression that they're being researched and researched on continuously today. However, that lack of trust with the medical staff still exists. And because of that, people didn't want to take the vaccine. And because they weren't getting adequate news, they didn't understand what the vaccines were, what the efficacy is, and, and, and whether they didn't have enough information to decide whether to take it or not. Well, in an issue of News Inside, we answered the most frequently asked questions of incarcerated people about the vaccine. And in fact, a woman who was incarcerated in the facility, MDC, I believe, that you mentioned earlier, she wrote to us and she, she, she laid out the struggles in getting information on the inside. And she thanked us for handing her a copy of News Inside. She said it passed through the hands of 50 women in her dorm, and it helped them make a wow. decision on whether to get vaccinated wow. or not. You know, it's so funny that the same quest, kind of questions that people have outside of prison about things like public health issues and vaccinations are the same sort of issues that, um, you know, that prisoners have. And but in prison, a lot of times access to that information is not necessarily available instantly by pressing in a few buttons on your smartphone or logging right on to the Internet. So t- tell folks about News Inside. Uh, what are you looking to do with this? What kind of stories are you covering? What's the point? What's it all about? Well, as you just alluded to, there's no Internet on the inside. And as I mentioned earlier, people make as little as 10 cents an hour. So they can't afford pricey newspaper subscriptions. Um, also, many prisons are located in rural areas. And because they're in rural areas, they get whatever they can, whatever signal they can get off air. That's what channels they have on TV. Um, many times, incarcerated people don't have cable. They don't. They definitely don't have streaming networks. They don't have cable, so they can't get CNN or or the um, channels that we usually get. And people are cutting cords anyway. So even even ones that do have access to cable, that is dying. Uh, so because of that, you, you know, I develop news inside and inside story and inside story is like a it's like a video version of news inside that takes on one story and that's designed specifically for people who have literacy issues because they don't have to read the news but i i i created that along with some of my colleagues in order to give people information that that will give them hope information that is useful and and 
the examples of the kind of stories that we, we put out is, for instance, many people heard that there've been these fire, these these brush fires, these fires that happen, sorry, these wildfires that go across the West Coast. But many people don't know that incarcerated firefighters fight those fires every year. Wow. And yes, and those incarcerated firefighters can't get jobs or couldn't get jobs at firefighters when they got out. But we published a story about it, and it's a beautiful story with images, and so so people can get the thrust of what these these incarcerated. It's hard to call people heroes who are incarcerated, but it's a fact they're heroes because they're saving the community and risking their lives. Um, we just gave you a glimpse. In, into their occupation while they're on the inside. But shortly after we published that story, they changed the rules around formerly incarcerated people being able to apply to be firefighters. Now some of them can. And it pushed, putting that in, in news inside gave individuals hope that they can one day get out and earn a living for their family. So and Lawrence, that's just one example. Lawrence, obviously we can all... Uh, log on to the marshallproject.org. We can see what you're doing with Inside Story on there. We can see what you're doing with News Inside uh, on there. But how do people that are incarcerated right now that don't necessarily have the uh, opportunity to log on to the Internet, how do they see these video stories that you're doing when, as you point out, because of literacy issues or whatever else, they may be the ones that most need uh, story told to them visually and audio-wise rather than through text. How do people watch what you're doing at Inside Story? Well, they, they get it through their facilities. We, we're in contact with, with some prison administrators across the country, and then they request it, and we send them DVDs so they can show it to the incarcerated population. The other way is there are these edtech companies that provide tablets for incarcerated people. It's, it's the new wave across the um, country when it comes to prisons and jails. It's a way to educate people on the inside using technology and just think of them as iPads where they can use it to see recorded lessons. Um, some of them get emails on it. Some of them are able to send to get video messages from their family members for a fee, but we contract with companies that that encourage incarcerated people to complete academic exercises like watching inside story and answering questions based upon what they learn. And then they get credits and those credits that they earn can, they can use it to purchase movies, to purchase songs. That's great. And and to keep in contact with their family members. Lawrence, um, one of the popular misconceptions about inmates has to do with their politics. Uh, I think a lot of people listening just assume that everybody in prison is a uh, dyed-in-the-wool liberal Democrat. And uh, this is so important to keep in mind as we have discussions about either ex-felons voting or felon voting. That's not the case, is it? There are a number of people who are incarcerated right now who might identify as Trump supporters or conservatives. And I know you served... Uh, prison both at Sing Sing and Attica, uh, you know, upstate, and you were with people from all different parts of the state. How would you characterize the politics of people in prison? Yeah, it, it mirrors the outside. Um, we did uh, a political survey 
to to kind of assess the political leanings of incarcerated people throughout the country. And we found that, surprisingly, a large number of them were Trump supporters. We did this pre the 2020 elections, um, the, the elections for the 2020 presidency and on. Um, so that was that was like eye opening for many folks. And so to put it plainly, people usually vote in accordance with whatever district they came from. Their, their politics on the granular issues might be different, but largely if you come from a red county and you're incarcerated, you're voting red. You come from a blue county, the majority of them are voting blue. Yeah, v- very quickly, Lawrence, and I have I have to have you back because uh, you, there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk to you about. But you did a terrific edition of Inside Story examining the issue of paying for foster care. In a nutshell, and I want to encourage everybody to check it out at themarshallproject.org. In fact, I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fan. People can watch it. Just explain to folks what this is and why you chose to uh, focus on the issue of foster care. Well, well, certainly. Um, in a nutshell, let's say, for instance, there's a child who um, father becomes incarcerated, mother passes away, the child is seven years old, the child has some disability issues. The federal government um, uses Social Security money and sends that money to the, to the child for the child's care approximately $700 every month. But state agencies, state foster care agencies, to be exact, have been taking that money to reimburse themselves for the cost wow. of care for the child. Wow. And they have not been notice, notifying the children. There's children who have been in foster care since they were seven years old, and they age out, and they, they're 19, 20 years old, and they discovered that money was being given to them without their knowledge. What a, Some of them apply to get the money back, but it's a very difficult what, situation. What a racket. R- Lawrence, thank you so much for the time this morning. I uh, look forward to our next conversation, and I want to encourage everybody to check out uh, what you're doing at Inside Story at themarshallproject.org. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.